0: We've given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforce.org. Thanks. Well, there are two kinds of people in this world. Don't you love a sermon that begins like that? Two kinds of people in this world. There are rule keepers and there are rule well, breakers, but I prefer to call them benders, rule benders, right? I'll let you guess which of those two I am, right? So, all right, so all the rule keepers in this world, you kind of, you know, you kind of you know, you, you keep things tight. Raise your hand. Just own it. If you're a rule keeper, come on. Okay, now the spouses, because it's always the other, isn't it, right? Right? There's a, the rule benders, right? Isn't that kind of just how it goes? It, it just kind of is, yeah. Two kinds of people in this world, rule rule keepers and rule breakers. In fact, you can tell which type you are by how you respond to the ten items or less line at Walmart, right? <laughs> rule, rule keepers. I mean, you look at that line and you're sure that if you have eleven, if you have ten point five items in your cart, you're you're sure the Lord Himself is going to strike you dead with lightning, right? I mean, it's just that, that's what you think, isn't it? Uh, rule, rule benders. Rule, we like to think of that sign as a suggestion, right? <laughs> ten items or less, which means which means. Ten items, or there are less people in this line than that one over there, right? <laughs> or, or maybe this one, ten, 10 items, or I've got less time to spare than they do. Or, or my favorite, which is probably really the truth. Uh, ten items, or let's be honest, I've got less patience, right? That's just kind of how we, we roll. Two, two kinds of people in this world. It's funny, uh, to, even though there are two different kinds, we all agree actually it turns out on something in our culture. In our society, uh, most people think that at the core of Christianity, that, that what it really means to be a Christian, at the core of Christianity, is that you are, uh, that, excuse me, that Christianity is about keeping a list of rules. That's what most people in our culture think about Christianity. Did you know that? In fact, there was a study recently done by the Barna Group, and they asked these questions, and they, they, they asked folks, uh, you know, what, what is it that stands in your way of spiritual growth? And the number one answer that helped people back when it came to spiritual growth. So they equated spiritual growth with trying to follow all the rules in the Bible. That, that's what they thought it was. And so no wonder they also reported that they lacked any kind of motivation to actually grow spiritually, right? It's kind of an interesting dilemma. But I think we all kind of know this uh, when it comes to this question. If I were to ask you the question, how is your spiritual life doing? What, what, what would come to your mind? How, how is your spiritual life doing? Most of us, when we hear that question, have some kind of list of things that we feel like we're supposed to be doing. Well, I should be reading my Bible more. I should be praying more. I don't know. I should be going to church more. I should be sleeping less when I'm at church or whatever it is, right? You think you've got this list. And yet there's also this part that says, you know, I'm not really sure that that's what the spiritual life is all about. Interestingly enough, uh, the Bible paints a fascinating picture about this. Paul, a guy named Paul, uh, who, by the way, was the premier rule keeper in his day. Paul, uh, Paul was the boss of rule keepers. In fact, Paul dedicated his life to tracking down and arresting rule breakers and throwing them in prison. That, that was kind of what Paul did, right? And Paul was going from city to city to city in the ancient Jerusalem world, uh, arresting Jews who were breaking the rules, or at least the rules he thought they were breaking, and throwing them in prison when all of a sudden Paul had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And this encounter that Paul had changed everything for him. He went from being the premier rule keeper to something else entirely. And we see this reflected in perhaps Paul's most famous letter, a letter that we have as a book of the Bible known as the letter to the Romans. Maybe you've heard of the book of Romans. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And right in the eighth chapter of this letter, Paul mentions something that is altogether different than simple rule following or rule keeping. He calls it life in the spirit. Let me read these verses to you. He writes, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Interesting. The law of the spirit gives life. But he continues just a few verses later. He says this, the mind that is governed by the flesh is dead. But the mind governed by the spirit leads to life and peace. The mind that is governed by the law, by the rules, by the trying to keep the list ultimately leads to a kind of death, Paul says. But door number two, life in the spirit leads to life and peace. Today we're talking about this interesting thing about Christianity. That Christianity fundamentally is not about keeping the rules. Christianity is about a relationship. It's not about checking all the boxes on the list. It's about remaining connected to the spirit that gives life. And it got me thinking about that question. How is your spiritual life doing Which just kind of makes us feel bad, doesn't it? That that doesn't seem like the right question. What if we were to turn that around and ask instead, how is your life in the spirit doing? Do you feel the sudden hopefulness? Do you feel the possibilities open with simply rearranging that question? That's what I want to look at with you guys today. We are in a series called The Third Person, which is really all about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of what Christians call the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us are somewhat familiar with the first two characters. Like, God the Father, yeah, we all have fathers, we kind of get that. God the Son, okay, some of us are sons, or we have sons, we kind of get that. God the Holy, what? Like... Who, who is this third person? I mean, is this like the little kid brother that just gets dragged along to the park? You know, like what, What's the role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity? And that's what we're looking at in this series. And today, I want to do something that I have never done before. Because when it comes to this person of the Holy Spirit, it, there is a kind of a quality of mystery about him. The Holy Spirit has what one theologian, Daryl Bruner, calls a shyness. The Holy Spirit is is easier to paint pictures of than it is to write treaties about. And so today, I want to do something I've never done. I, I just want to paint three pictures of the Holy Spirit from the Scriptures to see if we might understand a little bit of what the role of the Holy Spirit is in the life of the Christian. Three pictures. So this, this, is, this is for all the right-brainers in the room. Who are my right-brainers? Raise your left hand, right-brainers. Did you catch that right? Okay. Anyway, yeah. Right-brainers are the creative ties. So right? this is so. So all you left-brainer logic people, you're, I, I want you to stretch your creativity today. Okay. This is the day that it's okay to color outside the lines. We're gonna have a little bit of fun today as we look at these three images together. The first image uh, comes from the very beginning of the Bible, actually the very first two verses of Genesis. Let me read these to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless. It, literally, it's chaotic. It's formless, chaotic, and it's empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The first image that we get of the Spirit is of Spirit as hovering like wind over this dark, chaotic formless lifeless world that would soon become the universe that's kind of strange isn't it in fact the word that the bible uses that the ancient hebrew writers used to describe the spirit is the word ruach everybody say ruach okay did you spit on the person in front of you that if you're saying it rightly there's a little bit of phlegm that just kind of comes out right ruach that's it you got it Ruach. Now, what's fascinating about this word is Ruach uh, really was a word that described, could be translated as spirit, it could be translated as wind, or it could be translated as breath. All of these having the same quality of energy about them. And so in the beginning, the picture we get is that there's this, this wind, God's spirit is over this and, and he's moving and he's ready and he's just poised. Like he's in the batter's box. It's almost his turn to step up to the plate, right? And he, when he stepped to the plate, man, creation is going to happen through that spirit. Now think for a moment about wind. When was the last time you were in a good wind storm? Anybody remember being in a good wind storm lately? I remember one of my favorite windstorms was uh, when I took the family camping in the RV in the middle of the Mojave Desert, because that's what you do when you're from California. We went to the Mojave Desert. It was great. We were out there, and we pulled into this campground, and there is nobody else there, which is perfect, right? We got the whole place to ourselves, not one other camper. It was great. And then later that evening, I learned why nobody else was there, There were wind advisories, wind warnings for that night for wind gusts of 40 and 50 miles per hour. I had never experienced wind like that in my life. So middle of the night, picture this, we're in the RV, you know, and anyway, so we're in the RV and the wind starts g- gushing over us. And the RV, I mean, y'all, it's like, it's rattling, right? Like, I feel like its bones are about to break. It's just going to, like, come apart and sure enough, the wind just kept getting fiercer and fiercer and fiercer until finally it literally blew the door open, smashed in, which smashed into the window, and all the glass of that side window just comes crumbling down. It was epic. It was awesome, right? So then, so we're in the RV, wind's blowing, glasses out, and so we're like, well, what do we do? Well, let's go outside and play in the wind, right? So we all run outside, and I did what any of y'all would do. I climbed up on top of the RV. And then, well, y'all would have done this. Come on. All right, so then I got up on the RV. Have you ever done this? I I then leaned into the wind, right? And just just to see how far I could lean. I'm going to nose plant here. But how far I could lean. And y'all, I got like 45 degrees. The wind was so powerful. And I think that's something what the scriptures want us to see in this first picture of God's spirit as wind. There is a power to the Holy Spirit that we often underestimate we like to think of God as timid there is nothing timid about God the Holy Spirit it's hovering over the chaos of what will become the universe and it brings order and beauty out of that chaos what a picture so the first thing we see is that the spirit it has power. That's the first part of the wind. But there's a second part of this wind image that I think we might miss, because there's a funny thing about the wind. The wind is something we know exists, even though we never see it. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever seen the wind? See, the truth is you haven't seen the wind. You've only seen the effects of the wind, right? In fact, the late Billy Graham had a Beautiful quote about this, where he connects this idea of wind to the idea of God's spirit. Let me read to you what Billy said here. He says this. Can you see God? Have you ever seen him? I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. There's a mystery to it. Something about this idea of wind and God's spirit, that it exists even though it is not plainly visible to us. Jesus describes it this way to a rule follower in John's gospel named Nicodemus. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And as I read those quotes this week, both Billy's and Jesus, I couldn't help but think about this idea that God's spirit is often at work right in our midst, even when we can't see him, right? You can't see the wind, but you know it. You see it by its effects. And it reminded me of this beautiful scene, almost a kind of meditation from Sam Mendez's film, American Beauty. Take a look at this. Isn't that beautiful? God's spirit like wind working right in our midst. In our church, when the spirit of God shows up in a moment like that, we call, we call that a God moment, right? a God kind of moment, God doing something right in front of us. And uh, my wife had a God moment this week that I wanted to share with you that really was so profound for us as a family. Uh, she was down in Charlotte shopping at Trader Joe's because that's what Californians do. We need a Trader Joe's in Lake Norman. If you know someone, please make the phone call. So she's down there, and she's shopping at Trader Joe's. And afterwards, she goes to the library uh, to return some books. And as she pulls into the the library parking lot, got her groceries in back, she's just going to run in, run out. She's anxious to get home because she misses me. Not really. <laughs> but anyway, you get the idea. So she's, she's there. She pulls in, and when all of a sudden, she says, out of nowhere, she begins to feel that quiet blowing whisper that she's come to recognize as god's spirit because in the car next to her was a woman sitting in there uh nicely dressed a woman about her age with all of these belongings packed in the back merom was hoping just to go inside but she couldn't shake this feeling so so she goes over and uh waves at the woman the woman rolls down her window merom says hi I, i just wanted to come say hello and you know what the woman said she said I I was praying just now that God would send someone because I don't know what to do. Turns out this woman, uh, her boyfriend of six years had just passed away a few months before because they were not married. She had no uh, financial resources out of that. She had run out of money, had come to Charlotte, by the way, uh, because her sister is here. The only problem was That This woman had become a Christian six days earlier, and her sister wanted nothing to do with that, so her sister had kicked her out. So here she is, no money, uh, nowhere to go. She's got her car and her belongings, and uh, she's at the library because her cell phone doesn't work, and so she's using the free Wi-Fi in order to communicate with people. And she's in tears as Mary Robin comes and just speaks with her. Mary Robin shared some of her groceries that day and and they have since struck up a friendship where they're texting daily. We've been able to connect her to a sibling church of ours in Charlotte that is now helping her with resources. But do you notice the movement of God in that moment? Almost imperceivable except that Mary Robin had eyes to see it. What if God's spirit wants to move in your life this week, what if you had eyes to see what only His Spirit is doing? The first image of the Holy Spirit is that of wind, ruach, spirit, wind. But the second image is related to it, and that is the image of breath, breath. Did you know the average person, average human being, takes 16 to 20 breaths per minute. Did you know that? That means that in a single day, you take over 20,000 breaths, right? You should pat yourself on the back. That's a pretty big achievement, right? 20,000. You didn't even know you were doing that. and You accomplished it. That's great. Just check that box. You're on it. 20,000. Uh, experts tell us that as much as 98% of our body's energy comes from breathing, from the simple act of breathing, and yet we're so often unaware of it. You know, when the Bible authors, uh, Bible writers, excuse me, uh, were looking for a word to describe this breath, you know what word they chose? Ruach. Everyone say Ruach again. Good. Are you getting better spitting? It's that. We're going to keep practicing that. Ruach. This same word that describes spirit and wind also describes breath. And it shows up in the second chapter of Genesis, right when God is getting, to make, getting ready to make human beings. The Bible tells us he reached down into the earth, he picked up some clay, he molded them by hand, and then he breathed his breath of life, his spirit, his ruach, into them, and they became living beings. The Spirit of God, the Bible says, is like breath. Job puts it this way in chapter 33. He writes, the Spirit of God has made me. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. In other words, the very thing that makes us living beings is the breath of God's Spirit inside of us. We are born and we breathe. Right before we die, we take our last breath. It is God's Spirit that sustains us, the Scriptures say. Now, it's not just human beings that are sustained by this breath, though, by the way. Every living creature, raccoons, donkeys, frogs, what else? Hippopotami? Hippopotamuses? What do you say? I don't know how that one goes Every living creature lives because of God's Spirit. And I became keenly aware of that this week when I was working out front on my steps. I was outside doing some repair on the steps when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I heard three thuds. Kind of like, you know, like... Like, they wasn't that rhythmic, but they were almost in, in sync like that. And I looked around, like, where did that noise come from? And I realized there was a nest up in the eaves, and a mama bird had just pushed her baby birds out of the nest. It's like spring was sprunging, like, right all around me. It was awesome, right? Now, now look at these birds. I thought, what is, you know, this is kind of crazy. Like, this is not helicopter parenting, right? Like This is like, you graduated, get out of my nest, right? Just that's all this is, so... And I'm thinking, are these birds going to be okay? But, you know, they start to flap and chirp. and just, So I'm like, okay, they'll be all right. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Mother Nature. I'll stay out of it. So I just go back to working. But apparently I wasn't the only one who heard the thud because about 60 seconds later, one of our cats came over. And this cat gets one of these baby birds in its jaws and it runs away with this baby bird. And what you might not know is that in Hebrew, the word for cat and the word for Satan is the same word. <laughs> okay, that might not be true, but it's close. It's close. It's close. So this cat runs off this baby bird. I'm like freaking out, right? Like, I feel, like, personally responsible in some way. I don't don't know why. Anyway, so I go running after this cat, and, of course, I get the bird out, and I get the cat, get Satan out of there. Anyway, uh, so the baby bird's laying there, and it's just just lifeless, and I don't know what to do. So I did what we always do in our family when there's a nature problem. We go to our 11-year-old, Andrew. Andrew is, like, the naturalist of all naturalists. This guy, he knows nature, right? So I go and get Andrew. I'm like, Andrew, what do we do? So he comes out. We get down on the ground, and we're looking at this bird, and it's, like, lifeless. I'm thinking... You know, I should go get the shovel. Like we need to bury or something. You know, and Andrew's like, no, no, just wait down. No, really, Andrew. And he's just standing there. And he goes, Dad, look. And I look down, and this lifeless bird, all of a sudden, starts doing this. We saved the baby bird. It was awesome, right? The breath of life, the ruach, was there again. And then, like the next day, I came outside, and the Satan cat had killed one of the other birds. So uh, that was just. Just keeping it real. I'm just keeping it real here. I saved one. Yeah, anyway. Uh, So here's the point of all this, right? Every living being has its breath of life because the Spirit gives it life. And the Scriptures make this connection over and over and over again, beginning in Genesis, through the Psalms, in Proverbs, in Job, and especially in a fascinating little story found in in the book of Exodus with a guy named Moses. Now, this is a little bit nerdy. This will take just about two minutes, but bear with me because I think this is really cool. The ancient Hebrew authors saw that there was some kind of connection between breath and spirit and life. Moses is out in the wilderness. If you're familiar with this story, he's kind of been, well, he killed somebody. So he's on the run like a bandit and he's out there. And then eventually God comes to him through a burning bush and he says, Moses, I've got a job for you. I want you to go back to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him, you've got to let my people go Pharaoh. Moses is like, God, are you sure? I'm not really up for this. And God says, Moses, you better do it. Uh, and then they sing a little song, Moses, take your shoes off. You know that one? Anyway, so they go, they go on their way. Then Moses has a really important question for God, though. He says, God, before I go, I need to ask a question. Who should I tell them sent me? God, in other words, when I get there, what do I tell them your name is? And it's at this moment that God does something that shapes his people for the rest of eternity. He says, Moses, tell them the Lord sent you. The Lord. Well, at least that's what our English Bible say, right? It says the Lord, all in caps. <laughs> but actually, there's a profound Hebrew word behind this. And it's the word, maybe you've heard it, Yahweh. It's actually just four letters in Hebrew. Y-H-W-H. Yahweh. And what would happen for God's people is that they would so desire to honor this name that nobody would actually speak it out loud. There are some hints that maybe they, they whispered it, but nobody would ever say it because they were trying to honor God. But these ancient Hebrew scribes began to recognize something about this name because every time they imagined saying it or when they would come to whisper it, they realized that it almost sounded like breathing itself. Yah, And this tradition grew up. Amongst these ancient Hebrews, that maybe simply to breathe was to worship and pray to Yahweh. In other words, maybe it wasn't just that when a baby is born, it's made alive when it breathed its first breath. Maybe a baby begins to live when it, for the first time ever, speaks the name. Maybe when someone comes to the end of their life and they're about to die, maybe what transitions them to death is not their last breath, but the last time they speak the name of the Lord out loud. I found great comfort in this idea that even when I'm simply breathing, I might be praying. Uh, Many of you will know this. I've shared this openly from the pulpit many times. But anxiety is something I have dealt with in seasons from the earliest days I can remember. It's one of my great battles in life. And I have found in these seasons of anxiety, deep, deep, deep comfort. That in those moments when I don't know what to pray, sometimes just sitting with God and breathing might actually be praying speaking the Lord's name with the breath that His Spirit has given me. What would it look like this week? In those deep places in your life, those places of ache and longing or hope and dreams, what would it look like for God's Spirit to breathe life into those places for you? Would you be willing to breathe in His Spirit again? God's Spirit is like wind, powerful, invisible. God's Spirit is like breath, possibly nearer than we had ever imagined. And third and finally, God's Spirit is like water. In John's Gospel, Jesus gives us what is perhaps, at least for me, the strangest of all images of the Holy Spirit. He says this uh, at the last day of the festival. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them By this, he meant the spirit. Wait, what, Jesus? (laughs) Rivers of living water? You know what this actually says in original language? Rivers of living water will flow out of your belly. Like your belly button goes pop and here comes water, right? That's the image, which always makes me think of this girl on the streets of Chicago or New York. I can't remember where it is. Isn't that just great? Look at the joy in that face. Rivers of living water, right? I love her friend in the background, like, I have no idea what this girl's doing. (laughs) See, this image is strange, but I think it's supposed to be. Because what Jesus knows, and what we know, what the ancient people in Jesus' day believed was that our deepest desires, hopes, and dreams reside where? In our belly. Deep, deep inside of us. And Jesus says, do you thirst? Do you ache? Do you long? Believe in me and my spirit will come and it will fill you to the point of overflowing that your belly button will go pop. He puts it this way in another another verse. He says, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it to the fullest. So I was thinking about these verses and I was remembering a story maybe it's just the Mother's Day in me that got me thinking about it but I remember when my daughter was three years old I asked her permission to tell this story Uh, when she was three and she was sitting in the high chair and it came that moment like I was the fastidious dad like I'd pour the juice and I'd only fill the sippy cup like a third of the way and I'd put the cap on you know I wasn't and and made no spills she wasn't and then that day came where she says dad I pour it myself parents you know what I'm talking about right I pour it myself little three-year-old arms, big old jug of milk, right? I'm like, no. I'm like, oh, okay, so fine. I I let her do it. And so the entire time she's like, you know, picking up this big jug thing. And I'm sitting there and talking about breath. I'm just holding my breath. I'm just waiting for Armageddon to drop, this whole milk thing. She picks up and she pours and pours and pours it. And then she fills that cup and she gets it right to the top where it actually starts to like form a little dome where you can see it from the side. You know what I'm talking about? But she didn't spill a drop. And she puts the big jug thing down. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I can't contain myself. I'm like, Zoe, that's awesome. And she feels my energy. So she grabs a cup and goes, yay. <laughs> and there's milk everywhere, right? I have come that you might have life and you might have it to the fullest, to overflowing milk everywhere is the picture of the spirit. Now, why does this matter? Because I think some of us, some of us have been in the church so long. Some of us have been walking with God so long. We've slipped into this thinking that it's all about the rules. That it's all about some some checklist. And that maybe, just maybe, I mean, maybe there's some, maybe God, but if God's going to give me his spirit, I mean, maybe he's just going to kind of dish it out in little droplets. I'm going to be lucky if I get like one of those little communion cups that they used to have in my Methodist. Yeah, I'm, Maybe I'll just get that much little spirit. But Jesus says that, my friend, is not the picture of my spirit. For all who would believe in me, I will pour out my spirit on them. Streams of living water will come rushing out from the deepest parts of their being. And maybe... May, what if, what if Jesus really meant it? What if this week you could taste again of the depth of satisfaction that comes only from God? Whatever your longing, whatever your hurt, whatever ache, whatever dream, whatever hope, what if God's Spirit wants to fill that place and you again. Can we pray?